0: It's a bitch hunt, it's a bitch
1: hunt, it's a bitch 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 hunt hunt. hunt. We're back, baby Reunited and it
2: feels uh, so good Indeed it does.
1: Well, someone's not
2: feeling so good today.
1: That's what I heard. A little bird told me, Will, that there's a certain part of your anatomy that's not at 100%.
2: Yes, gentlemen, and that would
0: be my ass. My ass is not at 100%. Oh, no. Have you been spanked? (laughs) Uh, Boy, Jacob, if only I had been spanked. If only that were the source of my ass displeasure. But unfortunately, it is a, a less exciting Source and that is I went biking for the first time in about five years yesterday. (laughs) I biked. I I received from my newly minted brother-in-law a used bike of his Mm because he's uh, off to get a new new bike. Yeah, and and there's
2: no seat on it, just the pole. (laughs) 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 Yes. (laughs) <laughs> no,
0: there there's a seat on it. It's just it's a road bike and it's a little too big for me and I'm not used to road bike riding. Road bikes are just like for the for the real big big boys and girls. I I I used sure. to ride like, you know, your your old huffy ch- child child's bikes yeah. back in the day. So, you know, I I gave this a, a try and barely knew how to, you know, stay Uh, upright on it, but (laughs) still (laughs) endeavored to ride about seven miles, uh, down to downtown Madison. There was a Badgers game that was just, uh, getting started as we rode. Really? I had to very deftly maneuver through throngs of, uh, red, red capped Badgers fans,
1: no, there was it was um, red red badgers caps. I hope. Yeah. Yes, okay. they
0: were red badgers caps indeed. And and yeah, it was it was seven miles, and it it hurt really really badly. And then you know I spent some time down on the isthmus of Madison, and then biked back, and that's when the pain really set in. Like I, I actually had to ride standing up for for much of the way back because <laughs> oh, no, I just well. my my poor ass couldn't take it anymore. You well, took, in
2: honor of your all butt, finished. let's walk down memory lane and talk about some of the best butt injuries in film history.
1: Ooh, let's do, um, this isn't actually film, but as I mentioned to no response (laughs) to, uh, Will and Luke, uh, earlier today, I have watched nearly a full season of Brooklyn nine, nine over this weekend. It is now Sunday late afternoon. Um, and, no spoilers, but there is a character in the first season who gets shot twice in the butt. Indeed, uh, to to great comedic effect. Uh, other other film and television butt injuries that you guys can think of. <laughs> uh, you know who else gets shot in the butt? Who? Oh man,
2: this is like a very iconic film and I can't remember the name of it. It's the one with Lieutenant Dan.
1: Uh, Forrest Gump? <laughs> yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> that's the guy who gets shot in the butt. Does he? Yeah. I thought that he, like, lost his legs because they got exploded. No, Forrest gets shot in the butt. Oh, okay. We're not talking about Lieutenant Dan. That was just the one pull that you have from Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of shocking, Luke. <laughs> Sometimes my memory isn't the best. It's okay. It happens to all of us. As we get up there in age, the butts start hurting, the mind starts going. And uh, that yeah. part of Forrest Gump is a war film yeah yeah i believe it's vietnam it is uh in in, pronounced in a respectful way in the film and not in the throwaway way that our good friend willie has just (laughs) uh started our our talk of the very sensitive subject of war films and war in general i'm sorry uh don't apologize just be better yeah be
2: better and i'm i'm sure that you will have a very sensitive pitch today will Because you always do. Yes, well,
0: if anything, I'm the respectful one in the group.
2: (laughs) I don't
1: think anybody would argue with that. No.
2: On that note, I guess maybe you should start us off, Will.
1: Yeah, Uh, well, sure, yeah. We should make it explicit. Uh, I don't think we have that, nor have we, that this week is is war films.
0: Yeah, we're doing war films. And
1: specifically
2: war war films in which a prominent character gets shot in the butt. Let's be
0: honest, folks. When we release these episodes we do put the theme as the title so they should probably know
1: that's a good point that's a good point and and having listened in during our hiatus to some of our our past episodes i think that we err on the side of saying what the theme is too many times more than we do Mm -hmm. not explaining what the theme is like spelling it out as if our our listeners are idiots yes Um, yeah but i mean
2: slide into our dms Let us know if you like us treating you like idiots or not.
1: Yeah, Yeah. some people are into that.
0: Yeah, man, and uh, and the theme today is war films.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, good. (laughs) one more time
2: for these listeners out there, that's war films. Can we get it from the theme
0: today is war
1: films? Well,
0: okay, the theme is war, and we are pitching films about it.
1: Yes, thanks for clearing Uh, that up. I agree. Um and Luke Luke did throw a curveball in there with the characters getting shot into the butt. Um, but I would really like for us to hold true to that now that he said it because I think that that would I would add a little bit of continuity, which is something that I think between the three pitches sometimes lacks. Yeah, we are sometimes wildly different. We've never had an sure. extended universe
2: linked by something like this.
0: <laughs> yeah okay. Uh, I, I think I can manage that. I mean, I did meticulously plan my pitch beat of for beat, but. Of um,
2: okay, uh,
0: so I really don't know very much about war and have not professed a, a strong uh interest in history Same. Uh, I was to a
2: fault. I was literally born Quaker <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you're you're a pacifist uh at heart and in religion.
1: And Will and I both went to the same uh, church growing up, which is really basically just kind of one step up from Quakerism.
2: But your grandparents went to my Quaker meetings, Jacob.
1: That's true. So why they are you still not do. A Quaker? I don't know. I helped build the new Quaker meeting house in in Northfield uh, several years back, um, and I guess the only reason is that I am. Uh, I mean, this this is personal to me, but I am non-religious. I. So that's really the only reason. Yeah.
2: I, I mean, <laughs> this is kind of taking us in the wrong direction, but I'm going to tell this story anyway, because it relates to something that we talked about earlier. Uh, I'm also pretty non-religious. And the reason that <laughs> we stopped going to Quaker meeting as a family when I was a kid was because my dad wanted to go on bike trips every Sunday instead. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd, we'd ride bikes, get sore butts.
1: Nice. It's but full eventually, circle. eventually your, your butts weren't quite so sore. And that's the thing about riding bikes and sore butts, which I was going to bring up during the opening, but didn't really get a chance to. So that, that first time when you get back on the bike, your, your butts just not used to having, you know, a seat shaped thing pressed into it with approximately the weight of your body weight behind it
0: yeah it's it's counter it, for every action there's an e-
1: equal and opposite reaction yeah and you especially, know? especially if you're going down a cobblestone road or something bumpy. Yeah. Uh, well uh, that's the thing is it's, like
0: it was a cool day so you know the the pressure in my tires was a little, a little well i guess it was lower but I, yeah. <laughs> I i like i just i just pumped up my tires uh-huh. and i could feel every every seam of tar in the in the sidewalk as i as i rode over it you know
1: and
2: you like me will have a pretty bony butt true i do have a very you don't have a lot of meat on there protecting you
1: yeah yeah that's worth worth the investment but i can say from experience it doesn't it doesn't help that much i
0: need more junk
2: in my
1: trunk because for all all the junk that you add to your trunk you're adding more weight onto your onto your booty
0: that's true it's
1: it's a It's a vicious cycle. It really is.
0: Well, I just need to eat exclusively things that go straight to my ass. You know, I just need to be more. I need a higher proportion of ass to the rest of me. Yes, and then I'll be fine.
1: I think that's a good idea. Otherwise, you could get like helium butt implants, um, yeah, or some kind of like just cushion. Or there are like super comfy gel bike seats, but again, mm-hmm. this this we left behind us, and we are we have started your pitch ostensibly. <laughs> so let's let's maybe move once again, move on.
0: Well, as I was saying, uh, like four minutes ago, I don't know a whole lot about war, <laughs> but uh, I do. I think of the, the the wars that I do know. I mean, gotta be World War Two, right? World War Two is like. It's the best war. I'm just gonna say uh,
1: that.
2: Uh, it's okay. I would say it's I, the last war that the U.S. has been involved with that is even a little bit morally justifiable. Yeah,
0: True? and yeah. and it's it's just it's it's a good one, right? Um, I,
1: so. And- Again, your your choice of words, <laughs> I, I am not loving, but I, I I think I understand the sentiment. I'm just saying,
0: if you were to like list all the wars from like worst to like absolutely the best, World <laughs> War II would be be number one.
1: Sure, you know what? Just just yeah. move on,
0: <laughs> move on. So, uh, I think what I'm gonna do, by which I mean I totally planned this pitch out, of course, and I'm just I'm just saying it as if it's off the cuff. Um. We have uh, a wee German boy, Hans, uh, who is enlisted in the war effort, but he goes AWOL because he doesn't want to fight the war because he's he he's a boy of character. He's a boy of character. Well, he just I mean, he he doesn't like violence at all. He's a coward, sure. um, and he's also, <laughs> and he's also maybe a little bit of a coward. But like, I don't know. I we're not gonna. I, I think that he he's gonna prove himself to be a brave boy by the time this is all over. You know.
1: All right, that's really up to you. So, so
0: he, you know, he gets his his conscription, and he steals off in the middle of the night, and he does what any german would do and goes to south america yep
1: okay argentina
0: yeah he goes to argentina
1: (laughs) right checks out
0: um and then in argentina uh he learns he 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 gets off the boat and he he meets uh a a beautiful young argentinian woman okay starting Um, to pick up and uh, Okay, J- Jacob, you know you know about South America, right? <laughs> yeah, a bit. You need some help here? Uh, yeah. Well, so I I I, I don't want to just go blindly into this. Um, there are there are, peop- there are there are native people in Argentina, right? Indigenous people, yes, yes, yes. They're indigenous indigenous people. Yes. So the thing, what, what's what I got on my brain grapes right now? Tell I'm kind of playing around with this.
1: Tell me. Right, I'm, I'm
0: sorry. I, I've really gotten rusty over the the last couple months. I, I'm needing your help more and more for these brilliant pitches <laughs> that usually <laughs> never happens. I'm so disappointed. in You will. What I what I got going here in in my brain grapes is he meets a native Argentinian young lady, and they befriend one another, and they learn each other's language. And this is important because he can then use this native language as like a code breaking mechanism
1: oh so yep. you're doing like the okay yeah yeah i see what you're doing here
0: so so, so he it, then gets question, enlisted in sort
2: sorry okay yeah so will will the like navajo code breakers not exist in your story right uh i guess i mean they're they're not
0: they're not a they're not a part of this story They're it's not like someone comes out and is like Oh yeah, the Navajo—they're—they're they're useless. They're not doing anything for the war. No, they, they,
1: they, they, it's just they're not relevant
0: in this in this story. Okay, not relevant. Just
1: <laughs> merely historically very, very similar.
0: But they were, yeah. It's historically very similar. It's sure. just that I hadn't really the brain grapes hadn't been developed yet by the time, I, you know. I, I just had Argentina the you, on the mind because yeah, that's the where the Germans you, go. You know. Sure. By the time um, you
1: moonwalked into that premise, so, that so it's just anyway, it kind of happens. I got gotcha. you.
0: <laughs> so yeah, then he. I mean, he, like, I think that the the way this the story structure goes, he's like hearing about the war he's like getting to know it's like kind of a bit of a lo- like a, a a love story mixed with sort of uh trying to uh, uh bridge the language gap story um in the first act right but he right. hears more and more about sort of how the war effort is going and how his up uh, you know oppressive former country is is really uh, making great strides and he also knows from being an uh you know a german expat like how truly awful like he 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 knows about the the concentration camps and and like the the taking away jewish people and stuff he he like he knows the shit that's going down and and so like when he hears over the the transmissions that the nazis are like you know they've taken poland and they're 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 you know, bombing Paris and London and all of that shit. Like he, he, he knows how gravely serious this is. Sure. Not just in terms of the, the expansion of German Nazism, but also in terms of like the eradication of, um, you know, human rights and all of that. Sure. Mm-hmm. So
1: um now now tell me, Will, just just quickly, how does he feel about that? Because you insinuated... well, he he feels wracked with with okay. because
0: he he feels like he's just he's just not part of the effort now. He's just he's he's complicit in his in his um in his inaction. Yeah. You know his cowardice. So he and in in his cowardice. So he he with the help of um the the Argentinian native people whose language he's learned, he goes back to to Germany and becomes a spy. Um, okay, yeah. And I like that. then the rest Seems,
1: of the sure, sure. The Seems rest little... of the
0: movie is him mm. like infiltrating the Nazis and and uh, intercepting their intelligence and transmitting it back to Argentina using using his Argentinian language, and then. Um, for some reason that helps the allies because they're
1: maybe, maybe <laughs> at, at some point in this movie, he's going to have to make contact with at Like somebody from an allied nation, because I, yeah. I, I don't, really don't know that much about what Argentina was doing during world war two, but I, I don't think that they were heavily involved. I think that's part of the reason that that's yeah. why a lot of ex Nazis went to Argentina is because they were just like, not, they weren't really a big part of the the war so so what's that what's that contact gonna look like how's he gonna get in touch with somebody who's uh part of the allied cause and how is his code breaking ability gonna help them
0: maybe he finds another there's another coward um <laughs> yeah sure. who's, who's who's uh deserted maybe he's a quaker boy <laughs> from from pennsylvania and he 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 also is down in Argentina and they bond over their shared guilt uh, want, ditching the war effort. I want some
1: backstory on this on this Pennsylvanian Quaker what, what brought him to Argentina he was just simply too cowardly to live in in the harsh <laughs> city of Philadelphia everybody was well, he so got, mean to well, him he there. got the
0: conscription letter and he uh, oh. I guess like conscientious objectors were not like a thing or something Think, in the okay. yeah, yeah, but, universe but maybe
2: his, his neighbors who were not quakers were looking down on him for yeah objecting (laughs) so he
1: slunk
0: out of philadelphia in shame and went down to
1: argentina Or maybe maybe he uh in the quaker way was just minding his own business feeding the geese and he was chased by a goose all the way down to argentina
0: yes yes um you know he went to argentina to sow his wild oats his quaker oats you might say
1: So maybe it was like a, a missionary type situation <laughs> had nothing to do with the war. <laughs> He's actually just trying to spread the good word. He's actually
0: never heard of World War II. <laughs> He's been really out of the loop. He just doesn't follow the news.
1: <laughs> he could be a Pennsylvania a member of the Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah, I, I don't mean to. I don't, I'm sorry. Go, um, go on. <laughs> you don't want to go down this road, Jacob. No, I've been no, down that I road think... enough times to know that's just not a good place to go.
0: Yeah, I think we're. I think we'll have like a a brash, um, you know, fast talking American down there too who who will kind of be become the sort of ally contingency yeah you know played by it's johnny this, now i don't want to i don't want to make this super white savory too i mean I, th- I think that the 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 argentinian natives will will play a, a very large role in this
2: too um, and maybe for some reason the quaker can be a person of color
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not yeah. that could be another reason. yeah why not things weren't um, really great for that segment of the population during world war ii times and it would be interesting to explore that a bit yeah so
0: yeah, I mean, I've got a premise, I guess. Uh, you got more than just a premise. You got some meat on that bone, man. There's a little bit of meat. I, there's definitely a skeleton, and with and and maybe uh, a few sad pieces of sinew clinging to it. You know?
2: Yeah. So I think well, you, wanna- you need a way for this guy's code breaking to really break open the war in a significant way. Like maybe one monumental. Part of the Nazi faction will be brought down by this, mm-hmm. and also I feel like we need some romantic payoff. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah,
1: I don't. I don't want to be blue-balled by this pitch.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think that you're going to be shipping the hell out of um our little German boy and our our little uh uh native Argentinian. I I, I really don't have a shorthand for w- w- what this person is, but you could
1: give her a name.
0: Yeah, her her name will be. Fuck. Uh, I don't know what her name is (laughs) going to be. That's a good name. That's a good name. (laughs) Jacob, you're the expert. How how does that sound? (laughs) Uh,
1: I don't think that's traditionally an Argentinian native name, but uh, interesting, bold choice. Name your character, fuck. (laughs) And maybe her name will only be said once in the movie, and so it can still retain the PG-13 rating.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Right.
1: I'm just bad with names, man. I like
0: I don't I I don't want to fall down the trap of of proposing some very inauthentic name. You know, I've clearly not done any research for this pitch.
2: Fuck is an authentic, Argentinian female name. Okay, all it right, is
0: Luke.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Luke. That's on, that's on him. <laughs> The record. Yeah. <laughs> direct
2: direct all tweets at luke to uh, <laughs> so, our argentinian uh, fans please know that i'm winking heavily right now
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so yeah they'll bring down a, a significant nazi fash fash fac, faction and uh they will uh find a little bit of romance along the way and and it'll be i mean the, it'll be a like a lot of long distance romance for a large part of the movie because they will be They'll be really finding romance over the airwaves rather than
1: no. How is that gonna work in in the nineteen forties?
0: Well, I mean, they had air. They had airwaves. They had right. They had radio. What are you uh, talking about, Jacob?
1: Sure. You know, this isn't a fight that I'm gonna pick at this point in the pitch. So I mean, I guess it
0: probably was kind of a large game of telephone. I don't think that they they had global transmission at of. D- it-
1: but you, you you can take some liberties,
0: but it can be like passing cute notes to one another across the the transatlantic divide. Yeah, and that's what? my pitch, guys.
1: <laughs> well, I, I guess let's ship it. I have no problem shipping that across the Atlantic. I think that there is a lot of good that stuff in so there. i so
0: disappointed, Luke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I I took the bullet.
0: Uh, no did anyone very get shot figuratively well, speaking oh, speaking a of really the bullet good, oh shit really yeah, yeah 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 shot um, in the butt
1: all right let's hear it <laughs> you know i have a suggestion for you who gets shot in the butt jacob i i think it would be very sweet if uh our german friend gets shot in the butt like right during the during the the climactic like uh 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 top secret invasion that goes on that leads to the bring down of the Nazi faction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets shot in the butt and then he finds, you know, he's in the infirmary and he finds out that that fuck has secretly been on her way to Germany already to meet him and then she nurses him back to health and...
2: Okay. Uh, mm, yeah. How about fuck is there somehow and she's about to get shot in the head and then <laughs> our, our <laughs> German boy, Hans, he does a mm. cartwheel and takes the bullet in the head for her in his butt.
1: Oh, that's I pretty that's good. Beautiful. I, I'm just going to add another layer of, <laughs> of sappiness onto that by saying that before he went to Argentina, he was too much of a coward to ever even attempt a cartwheel. <laughs> but fuck, <laughs> fuck taught him what among the many things, uh, language, how to love, how to, uh, you know, exist in a different culture. She also taught him how to cartwheel, and uh, this was the first time he'd 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 been practicing and practicing, but had never been able to pull one off. But he realized at the last moment, when his his beautiful fuck was about to be shot, that he had the courage just inside of him all the time. Yeah. And so he pulls off the cartwheel, takes the bullet, and uh, he, yeah. In that moment, he didn't give a fuck because he only cared for fuck.
0: <laughs> ah, that's <laughs> there's our tagline
2: there's a potential for a lot of wordplay around that <laughs> yeah. name. well now I'll wholeheartedly ship this my enthusiasm's back <laughs> awesome, thank you Luke.
1: <laughs> much like the Grinch, his heart grew three times during the amending of that pitch and I, I owe it to you Jacob I don't know that I can take credit for that but thank you listen Oh, is it my turn? Well, what do you say? Should did, would you like to? I I would love to. All right. So think of some of the great wars in history, and when I say great, I just want to be very.
0: <laughs> I mean, World well, War Two is like goat is like the all time
1: war, but uh, uh, the, uh, there, there have been a argument, couple of good. Ones. Listen, an argument could be made that there was a, actually a different war that was called the Great War. Um, oh, but nah. that's not even the war. That's not even the war that I'm talking You're about. You're talking and I'm not, gibberish. Let's let's think about you know war can be a very serious subject. Let's think about some of the more whimsical wars. Sure. I, I'm wondering if you two uh, are acquainted with what is I think generally regard regarded to be possibly the most whimsical of all wars. you Have mm. any guesses?
0: I feel like it's got to be old enough that we can find it funny.
2: It's pretty old, but not super old. Okay. I don't have any guesses. Okay. Like Will, I have zero war knowledge. Maybe okay. uh, Desert Storm?
1: <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> very little whimsy there. Those, like very, very little whimsy. Um, the war that I'm talking about is uh, actually the Great Emu War. What? Oh, I do know about this actually. Okay. I just I read about that it. I was hoping that at least one of you had heard about the Great Emu War. Um, so I'm going to do some shameless reading of the Wikipedia article. Nice. That's the best kind of way to do this. Establish a little bit of a baseline of w- what what in the what in the heck, what in the fresh heck I'm talking about. Um, so here goes. The Emu War, also known as the Great Emu War. Was a nuisance wildlife management military operation undertaken in Australia over the latter part of 1932 to address public concern over the number of emus said to be running amok in the Campion district of Western Australia. All right. And now I'm going to stop there because there's spoilies afterwards.
2: Okay. Sure. Okay.
0: So this is instead of like wars where people kill people, this is a war where people kill
1: animals. Yes. They attempt to. They attempt Ah. to kill animals.
0: But the the emus they lay a trap. They 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 well, set down let's, bananas. Let's not okay. Let's not get
1: ahead of ourselves <laughs> here. And uh, I'm closing the Wikipedia from this point on and relying on uh, my memory of reading about this like several years ago and thinking that it was it was goofy. Um, All right. And then I'm going to take some artistic liberties with with the rest of what happened. Please. All right. So this is going to be a story that is told. Uh, not from the perspective of the Western Australia's, Australian Australian uh, soldiers, but in fact, from the uh, perspective of the emus. Of course. So our uh, main character will be a, an emu uh, whose thoughts and emu communication will be translated into English so that the audience can uh, understand, you know, what it really felt like to be an emu during the emu war, right?
0: Yeah. Sure, yeah.
1: So our main character is going to be, um, and this is also going to take a lot of liberties about the social structure of emu society. Of course. Of which I know literally nothing, but... All right, well, apologies to our emu audience. Apologies, uh, yeah, apologies. But it's not going to stop me. So the the alpha emu of the this emu uh, society... Is going to be uh, voiced by Sam Neill, uh noted Australian uh, actor um, who I didn't know Was Australian until pretty recently. All right, um, but he will be—he uh, will be King Emu. No, that's not creative enough. His name will be uh, King it's, Squawk. Just, just so you know, Jacob. King Squawk. King Squawk. <laughs> I'm, King I'm Squawk. pretty sure Sam Neill is from New Zealand. It's very possible. Maybe you're um, thinking
0: of Sam Worthington.
1: I'm not thinking... I'm definitely thinking of Sam Neill. He was in uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, Which takes which place in New in, Zealand. It does yeah? take place in New Zealand, but I think that uh, he is f- actually Australian. If one of you two would like to look that up while I pitch, I would appreciate it, because I, I don't want to get that simple fact wrong. Um, so, Sam Neill, and, uh, King Squawk, is the, the alpha of the society, they live in relative He's British harmony, New Zealandish, so he's not Australian at all.
0: He's he's half British, half New Zealish. Wow. Let's just stop the pitch right now and move on to mine.
1: All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apolog- this was
0: a- apologize to the Kiwis and the
1: Aussies in the I, audience I, in a very heartfelt way. I'm sorry, New Zealand. I know that so many things are taken from you. S- so many people assume that all your greatest treasures are actually Australian. Uh, I am. I am truly sorry uh, for that. Blunder. He was born in
0: Ireland and then moved to Christchurch,
1: New With Zealand. With no stop in in Australia to be to be found. Yeah,
0: it actually says it's the first line in his Wikipedia page. He's never been to Australia ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Once again, uh, if I had done my research, <laughs> I would have saved some face, saved myself from looking like a real fool. But here we are. Uh, My pants on the ground, uh, egg on my face. Hopefully not an emu egg, because those are very large.
0: Anyway, (laughs) King Squawk.
1: King Squawk and his beautiful wife, uh, Waltzing Matilda. Uh, Okay, no, we're not doing that again. I already, I already, I've, man, I just like, Oceania really must not like me, because I had a very, uh, yeah, I made some bad Australia-related choices in our last, potentially our last episode, with a lot of stereotypes. So his, his wife is, is named, uh, his wife is named, uh, his wife is named just Matilda (laughs) King Squawk (laughs) and Matilda are much better. The regal leaders of this, uh, EMU society in Western Australia. Um, they are kind and just leaders. They make sure to provide for their, uh, constituents. Um, they're beloved by, by everyone. But they're aware that there is a, uh, a a society of humans that live nearby. Um, and in the early parts of the movie, the, the emu society uh, is able to live, coexist pretty peacefully with the humans that live nearby. Um, but they start to kind of get this sense that the humans are getting riled up. They start seeing scouts going around. They are, you know... They can't communicate with the humans, obviously, because they speak Emuish. Uh, the Emus do, and you know, the all the humans have that strong, thick Australian accent. So even for native English speakers, that can be difficult, and for people, you know, for Emus, uh, nigh impossible. But they're seeing angry faces around. They're seeing scouts. They're seeing people walking around with 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 rifles. Uh, Is this film and,
2: subtitled?
1: Like or do
2: they, is emuish translated for us into english by there'll be voice a acting? very
1: there'll be a very laborious narration at the beginning that will explain the intricacies of uh, of translating the th- the uh, the thoughts and communication style of emus okay cuz uh, i
2: would love if sam Neil was just making emu sounds <laughs> <laughs> and then there were english
1: subtitles beneath them <laughs> you know what I, I think what we're going to do is half the movie is going to be that way, which is the second half of the movie. So once once the humans uh, enter the picture and the war begins in earnest, uh, we'll kind of, we'll do a we'll flip so that we can also because we want to we want to show both sides in this conflict, right? Sure. So we want, to sh- we want to show the struggle of being the leader of an emu society, but we also want to show this, the, the lack of communication between humans and emus, and also the, the very real human costs that came from this war. Um, so in any case, fast-forwarding a little bit, the uh, human-emu relations are, are deteriorating. There are more and more armed people around, And King Squawk and Matilda uh, realized that, uh, like it or not, there's going to be some conflict here. What had been their utopic emu society in Western Australia was about to face its most serious challenge yet. Not that there haven't been challenges already. You know, there's all sorts of dangerous wildlife in Australia. So uh, during our establishment of the emu society, we'll see how that manifests itself, how they have to be very protective of their young, how they, sure, yeah. you know, are factions of society that are, you know, you got the, you got the poisonous snake squad who are specialized in, in squishing those snakeys. Uh, you got the, <laughs> you got the big old wolf spider squad. You got the, you got the feral dingo squad. Um, so you, what you really have is a lot of a lot of very highly specialized uh, emu tradesmen, trades people, trades emus, I guess. Um, but nearing the halfway point of the film, they realize that uh, it seems that that conflict with humans is on their doorstep. So King Squawk and Matilda make a difficult decision and decide that they must tell the other members of the so- their society who they've been hiding this fact from that uh, war's a coming. So they call a great meeting at the great, uh, the great Emu meeting tree and King Squawk gives an impassioned speech about uh, how life as they knew it was probably coming to an end that the human neighbors that they had, who they thought were friends, were indeed more like frenemies, or even full bore enemies. Oh boy! Um, and this is mm. this is hard news. So
0: there was no attempt at at, at human emu uh, diplomacy throughout this.
2: The,
1: definitely, there were attempts. So like, uh, those would be some great, great comic up. relief
2: scenes. Yes, yeah, like the emus yeah. try to speak to them, and it, then you see the. The humans just
1: looking at this emu making sound. <laughs> yes. No, that, that absolutely 100% will happen. Um, but unfortunately, because of the language barrier, the humans will just perceive that as like a threat because, you know, you don't normally see an animal like come up to you and make noises at you as humans, you know, because we understand that from a human perspective. When that happens, unless it's like a, like a cat or a dog that we are familiar with, you um, that's it's not normal. Like you, you, like going back to the, going back to the story, the interesting subplot in Will's story where the the man was chased by a goose from Pennsylvania all the way to Argentina. Yeah. Maybe that goose just really wanted to talk to him, but we didn't know. But I think humans are conditioned when you see a, an animal that isn't traditionally cute come up to you and and, and start a squawking. It's a sign of aggression. So uh, again, to our emu listeners, we're sorry. We're sorry. Yeah. I, I'm 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 not saying it's right. I'm just I'm just explaining how it is. You know, uncomfortable All of your truths ads should be at Jacob. All of, sure, I'll take your ats. I'm I'm just trying to look yeah, at. Yeah, Will and I do uh, think you're cute. Yeah, I, 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 traditionally cute. I mean, that's that's a loaded that's a loaded phrase. I'll, I'll take that. That's that's a loaded uh, a loaded term. And I apologize, Emus, but <clears throat> let us not waste any more time on that. The, the The moral of that that aside was that there are attempts at diplomacy taken in full heart by the Emus, but they're misinterpreted by the humans, and only serve to further uh, further divide the two populations. So, cut back to the speech. Uh King Squawk is telling his constituents about this, that there have been attempts at diplomacy that were have been undertaken by high-ranking emus, um, and that there's a very difficult decision that they had to made about make about whether to warn everybody that this might be coming or to keep it a secret so as not to incite a panic. But the time has come, says King King Squawk in this in this very uh very impassioned speech. And wouldn't you know it? although the emus uh, hate to see it, hate to see it come to conflict they're such a tightly knit community that they decide that they will band together and they will do everything they need to do to protect themselves so directly after this scene we move to the western australian army having a very similar conversation so there's a, uh, an Australian general who is speaking to a, a large audience about how they're about to undertake this, what they call a wildlife eradication plan. And nobody's taking him seriously. Oh. They, think he's, they think he's just having a laugh. I mean, it's humans with guns against big birds.
0: Yeah, who could possibly lose to just a bunch of big
1: birds when you got guns? Right. And, th- in fact, somebody says that exact f- phrase that you just said, Will. Um, and it, But they're
0: it, like, crikey, who
1: could possibly lose to a bunch of big birds when you got big guns? Will, you have been <laughs> cast officially as the, uh, the rowdy Australian soldier that brings that up in my movie. So, congratulations. You're the second casting choice after uh, Irish new zealand-ish actor <laughs> sam neill who'll be playing king squawk and if this
2: had come out a few years earlier jacob it could have been a parallel to the moving money away from pbs to the military that was a hot political debate get rid of big oh, bread yeah. give the money to the guns
1: oh okay i was having a hard time following where you were going with that but that was that was a deep cut look. I appreciate <laughs> it was it. a deep cut and it was some real top-notch political commentary which i appreciate um, so the, the, we see the, we now see the soldiers preparing for this assault. They're all joshing around with each other. Nobody's taking it seriously, but the day comes for the, the first standoff. And, uh, we are now fully on the, uh, we're for, fully watching this pr- from the perspective of the Australian soldiers. So they, the front line assembles and we see a, an emu who we, now known and love as king squawk and he approaches the front line
0: we know oh man are they are they like in a phalanx right now i like a a
1: a, a, a tight formation the emus are the australians the emus the emus are in kind of like a so imagine this as your uh your classic that battle where king theoden um is Gives that super inspiring speech, mm-hmm. um. Which is is that the which battle is that in the Lord of the Rings?
0: That's the elephant one, right? The Oliphant no.
1: battle is that Pelnor Fields. In any case, uh, I can't remember. That, that's I, it's not that important. the The point is that the the emus are all gathered around uh, the great emu tree, and the soldiers have located them and are you know there's line after line of Australian soldiers and and King Squawk comes to uh comes to talk as we know he, he's come to try a last-ditch effort at diplomacy um how are you going to visually distinguish the emu from one another king squawk uh has wait
2: are you saying
0: that all emus look the same
1: luke <laughs> yeah, who's, yeah the, who's the? that's what i'm saying <laughs> who's the ignorant one now uh king squawk has a very distinctive golden feather that goes straight up off the top of his head like a quail but he's an emu all right um so he he approaches the the invading force and he he wants to come to talk but um (laughs) all that we hear out of his mouth is squawking because we are now watching from the perspective of the australian soldiers and as this is happening we see several of the australian soldiers readying their weapons and king squawk realizes that this last ditch effort was a failure and so he turns and starts to run and wouldn't you know it he gets shot in the butt. <laughs> oh no. And he goes down. Um and the other emus see this and knowing that he was just trying to deliver a message that they wanted peace, they're enraged beyond uh beyond any reasonable uh amount of rage that we've seen from the emus at this point. Their fearless leader, their beloved king squawk has been shot in the back side as he was walking away so the emus uh mount a counterattack, and they bob and weave through gunfire as they uh as they approach the front line um
0: (laughs) that's actually awesome they're they could do some serious bullet dodging with their long necks
1: they have long necks they run really fast i am assuming as i I think of them and this is kick mm, hard as heck they hit hard as heck. Exactly. They got serious beaks. They got some serious claws on them. I think. So basically, <clears throat> um, we see that we see that the the humans who have not prepared for this are overwhelmed immediately. This first this first wave of humans is is overwhelmed, and basically what we see from this point on, uh, in the interest of time, is a number of skirmishes uh, where the vastly more prepared and more motivated emus are able to outsmart the humans uh, who continue to not take this very seriously because in their mind, they're just fighting a bunch of birds. But in the mind of the emus, uh, uh, it it just, it got real personal when, when King Squawk was shot in the butt and he doesn't die, but he is out of commission um, for, I guess the rest of the film until eventually the emus are able to hold back the uh, invading forces and preserve a great emu tree and the humans (laughs) retreat and the emus are allowed to live uh with the knowledge the horrible knowledge that they've been through this great emu war uh and the psychological damage that comes with that uh but they still they live to fight another day and it is a grim reminder that even those of us with the best intentions those emus among us with the best intentions uh sometimes are are forced to to enter into these horrible acts and defend what is what is theirs and thenceforth live with the consequences the end wow that's deep
0: wow and beautiful it's deep sobering and very emotional thank you
2: I right, ship it yeah, i let's ship, it. ship it even though Sweet. that was a uh... More sobering and less whimsical than I thought it would be. Yeah, it kind of left me. It turned out a lot less
1: whimsical than I had actually planned it to be. I just I got it had butt shooting.
2: Yeah, that that was some flawless butt shooting you weaved in.
1: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I apologize. I didn't mean for it to be more whimsical, but uh, I just got to talking about emus and what it would be like to be on the emu side in that war, and it it sobered me right up. Made me real sad but they li- they live on they did live on and that is truly what happened in real life is that the great emu war was a victory for the emus in in reality this is real life talking times now which is pretty pretty bonkers
0: yeah it is pretty bonkers kind of inspirational
1: kind of inspirational and possibly that is not actually what happened, but that's <laughs> that's common. I just got to
0: say, uh, all the wildlife going extinct
1: today could really
0: take a, a leaf from the page of the
1: emus. And King Squawk, the memory of King, King Squawk. King Squawk, yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's Luscious ship it. Lucius. Luscious Lucius.
0: Luscious Lucius. It's, you ready?
2: It's your time to pitch. As long as you both agree that should be shipped, because I do. I Yeah, I, I ship the hell out of it, I don't think man. I get a
1: vote. Because it's my pitch, but thank you. I will also choose to chip it.
2: <laughs> you have no modesty, do you?
1: Nope.
0: <laughs> Please recommend your friends to listen to our podcast. We'd really love it. It would mean a lot if they give us a
2: shot. <laughs> Sometimes Sometimes. there's songs. (laughs) All right. I admittedly didn't do much prep, but I jotted down a framework for my film as you both were pitching. Nice. Lay it on us. It starts out right with this visceral image of a small child being rushed into a bunker as sirens blare and four mushroom clouds form in the distance. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Then we cut to 25 years later. Wow. This child is now, you know, around 30, young adult, and they're a member of the subterranean PD.
1: Whoa. Holy bonkers.
2: They live in a society that has been underground this whole time. No one's been able to leave because of all the nuclear fallout. And as part of this young man's duty every day, he has to retrieve and project this uh, daily report that's beamed in from the surface on the air quality outside. And hmm. it's the only form of communication that the bunker community has with the outside world at all. And other than that, he just has regular cop duties, you know? He he walks around the bunker, goes to the various levels, talks to people. Eats eats subterranean donuts. Eats, yeah, yep. I don't know what they are. Can you explain? <laughs>
0: they're made out of stalagmites
1: yes so wait they're like straight up eating rocks are these gorons yes
0: well you know (laughs) it's just a bunch of minerals you know they can soften it up when they put it in the deep fat fryer
1: I suppose 25 years of living underground would probably (laughs) be plenty of time for humans to evolve to eat rocks
0: yeah (laughs) we get used to anything
1: man (laughs) that's how evolution works right it is how evolution works yeah. All right. We very said it, rapid. So it's got to be true. <laughs> um,
2: but then there's this one day, right? He goes to retrieve this message with the air quality report. And there's someone else who's broken into this communications portal. Oh boy. And they're sneaking off with some Intel. So oh boy. our guy hot on the trail runs, tackles this, this, uh, culprit as they're running away wrestles the message out of their hand and it's an assassination instruction oh my god Ooh. there is this this sort of president of the subterranean people and they live in the deepest bunker the deepest part of the bunker so it says um, kill the POTUS on subterranean prime dang <sighs> Right as our young hero is about to cuff this mysterious bandit, he gets shot in the butt from behind. No. Oh, no. Because the bandit has an accomplice.
1: Much like <laughs> him, I did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah. So they, the two bandits get away, but
2: our hero has this knowledge that there's an assassination attempt that's going to happen. And now it's his duty to stop it.
1: It's his duty to avenge that booty? Yeah. and I guess that's kind of a minor part of this. It, maybe it should be major, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be a major motivation <laughs> if you didn't really care about the POTUS.
2: Maybe in, like, every other scene after that point will just be a scene where he's disinfecting his butt wound. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it would be a real nightmare. I, I mean, as somebody who enjoys being able to sit down or lie down without being in extreme pain, I might be in the minority there. But uh, I feel like it would be a real inconvenience. It would be a real inconvenience.
2: So here's the thing. Our hero, who I guess we should give him a name. Any suggestions? Um, Tarvis Jong. Tarvis Jong. Yeah. He knows that it's unlikely someone who isn't on the subterranean PD could get access to the communications portal. So he suspects that there may be an uprising from within the police force. Oh, dang. And he doesn't want to speak to anyone on the force because he's afraid that his knowledge of the plot will just get spread further. So he decides to go undercover. And work his way down to Subterranean Prime, the deepest level. And it's going to be kind of like um, Snowpiercer,
1: where each boxcar uh, has a
2: different style
1: and aesthetic. That is. Ugh, oh, that's so awesome.
2: Yeah. So he'll just keep plunging deeper and deeper through these rad settings. Uh, can, in, can Tilda be in there? <laughs> Tilda Swinton will be the president. Oh,
0: yes. God, thank God. About time for a woman president.
1: Can Tarvis Jong be played by Chris Evans? Yes,
2: Tarvis Young will be played by Chris Evans. Nice. Um, I guess he may need someone else to be his butt double, though. (laughs) Why? I've heard that Chris Evans doesn't do nudity. He doesn't?
1: But he has America's ass. Have you ever seen that ass nude? I can't say that I have. Unfortunately not. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, he's got America's ass, and now he has the... Subterranean lair's ass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair enough, but at the same time, I feel like there would probably be some prosthetics involved if there was like to be a bullet wound in his butt. So maybe yeah, he could that's be what convinced... I was going to say too. Yeah, that's true. He'll
0: slap some some wound, wounded prosthetics on him,
1: right? And maybe maybe he just hasn't had the right script for nudity. You know, like if he yeah. was really yeah. moved by a by a a pitch, uh, he could be convinced to to show that booty.
2: That's and true, now that, Chris.
1: Now
0: that he's done with his arc, you know, you uh, as a Mar- Marvel superhero, you you gotta. He's got he's starved for work, probably.
1: Yeah, he's got to prove that he's more than just Captain America, and sometimes yeah. showing your showing your buns is just how to do that. Chris, if you're listening, which we know you are,
0: and oh, if you're looking yeah. for
2: that next project,
0: our number one fan, Chris Evans,
1: <laughs> shoot us an email, buddy. Please do. Man, were you ever great in
2: everything that you've been in? Yeah, we mean shoot us another email because we correspond regularly.
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah. Talk to us again. We'd love to hear from you. It's been a couple days. We should get coffee sometime, Chris.
2: Yeah, so really he he fights and sleeps his way down to the subterranean prime sleeps and, uh, his
1: way as in the, like the, the the sexual way <laughs> or, <yeah. laughs> or does he he's, have he's seducing people left and right Gotcha,
2: nice. gotcha. to gain information <laughs> Are and there also lots to of gain access s-
1: lots of seductive scenes where he has people clean his butt wound for him <laughs>
2: exclusively that <laughs> he seduces people not with words, not with his looks, but just by showing them his gaping butthole wound <laughs> <laughs> and the bullet went straight in the butthole.
1: Oh, no. Oh. Now, I feel like you've, you've made the cell a little harder now. <laughs> showing, your, showing your butts one thing, showing the, showing the pooper hole. <laughs> okay. Yeah, again, so, prosthetics. Uh,
2: so he makes his way down there. And uh I honestly I don't have a finale planned or really anything else planned.
1: That's fine, let's work. So if you he could help it. me wrap it up. Yeah. Alright, so he makes it down to the final chamber, which is the chamber where the we're The chamber of the, secrets. The
2: chamber yeah. of
1: secrets. And his last foe is a, a future basilisk. <laughs> basilisk. Yes. Future. Maybe basilisk. there's like
0: there's there's some sort of, like, for the final battle, there's, like, a suppository that he can take that will heal his butt, like, instantly.
1: <laughs> or maybe in, like, cool. in the penultimate chamber, there is, like, uh, a lover who is so tender that uh, he or she uh, is able to heal his, not only his, his uh, festering butt wound, but also his uh, his more insidious heart wound. Yeah. And that gives him the courage and power and ability to do what has to be done, which I've kind of Maybe forgotten Once his what butt that heals,
0: <laughs> it becomes like a super butt because it's been through so much, you know? And then he's able to use his butt to Ooh. defeat the, the, the basilisk.
1: Maybe the, yes. the bullet that hit him in the butt was irradiated, and so now he has butt specific superpowers.
0: Uh, yeah. If it's let's wait, run. With that. So we said, we said that this was a, a basilisk. Did I mishear that?
2: No, it's the Chamber of Secrets.
1: Right.
0: All right. So in that case, like he's chopping off heads left and right, and they keep on growing back. And then he finally, like, Uh-oh. just like he like spreads his cheeks Uh-oh. Uh-oh. wide, and Uh-oh. the basilisk like like goes right in. In there, and then he just like s- squeezes his cheeks together and
2: smushes the basilisk. <laughs> well, this into nothing. I don't know if this pitch will be shipworthy, but it's definitely got the honor of grossest pitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Collectively, yeah. we've made this really gross.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Sorry, it's uh, also sorry. super about war too. <laughs> sorry. Well, guys. Yeah. So let, let's make this more about war. So right, right yeah. now it's sort of a post-war film. Um, yeah. I wanted it to be kind of more Cold War like, mm. where there's this espionage going on and like trading secrets sure. and assassinations. Yeah, well,
0: well, maybe it rides on like they're they they're trying to prevent a war. They're preempting a war by by preventing the the final domino of war from falling. So I think, I e the POTUS.
2: I think an important part of the plot that I should have built in earlier, but I just figured out now, <laughs> is that the president is the only person with access to open up the bunker ah okay but this police officer knows that if they get to the president and kill her whoever kills her will then be able to access her tools as well and if Mm. they open the bunker everyone will die
1: or so they've been
2: told no they will actually die Okay. The the thing is, there there's a there are other bunkers out there, but they're filled with the faction that these bunker people were warring with initially. Damn. And this is the way to finish off the war is to to get them to open the bunkers so that everyone is uh, poisoned by the air and dies of horrible radiation.
1: Yikes! Well, I was gonna Yikes. suggest that. Tilda, in in order to make it more like espionage, Tilda could be a double agent at the end. But I think you've I think you've justified the this being pitched during the war episode enough. Okay. <laughs> well, let's get back That's to the just butt stuff one man's then. two cents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we could or we couldn't. <laughs> Either way. Uh,
0: so Tilda, I mean, maybe he has to save Tilda by like carrying her off in his new newly massive butt. Oh.
2: Yeah, I I think did, I'm going to Did we want it? I'll take that suggestion and politely turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Did you officially so, turn down Will's uh resolution to the fight too because that was
2: Yeah, I just don't think we can get an R rating at, and have a wide theater release if we have something like that in the movie. Okay. I feel like the ratings board would <laughs> would not be happy balk at with that, that a little
1: bit. I think the ratings
0: a- board is really prudish. Let me tell you,
1: they are, well, and it's it's the system that we live in though, and we have to we don't have to like it, but we do have to acknowledge it and respect it to a certain degree. Yeah, and you know, so what? I think there Honestly, needs to be a
2: final stand. Right, She sure. gets to the bunker, needs to protect Tilda Swinton, but then there's an onslaught of these rogue villains who are trying to, I guess, kill themselves for what they believe is the greater good of wiping out this whole subterranean network.
1: Mm-hmm. War makes you do crazy things. Yeah, so Chris As Evans radical. And ideologies. Tilda Swinton,
2: they're gonna fight side by side. And nice. it's just gonna be this epic long shot, one uninterrupted bash of a fist fight where Tilda Swinton and Chris Evans just mow through like the forty five of these mole agents.
1: I love that idea. I'm just a little bit worried that uh, Chris might not be able to exude the same kind of savage, brutal energy that I'm sure Tilda would in a shot like that. You know what I mean? I
2: think, he, I think he's got the range. Okay. Well, the thing is, remember that he inherited these radiation powers from the bullet in his butt. Oh, mm-hmm. okay.
1: We're going with that. Okay. Yeah, so he's leveled up. <laughs> There have been a lot of he's, ideas. Yeah, he's now got sure. tilde energy. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Having a hard time keeping track of which ideas were accepted and which were <laughs> tastefully turned down.
0: Basically, Luke doesn't like the idea of y- literally using the butt at, in the violence. He he more it, it just thinks that. You can use the violence, you know, with hands and feet, like like normal battles, but but like the power is coming from deep within the butt, you know. Well, this isn't
2: I, what I think. This is what I think the ratings board thinks.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, you're I gotta,
2: really
0: pandering I, to the ratings
2: I, board. Honestly, people. I,
1: I think that that for once the rating board might be onto something there because I'm not sure how many people would enjoy seeing. Uh, but you know what? I'm just I, I'm gonna stop talking. Yeah, it's
2: there's probably a. an appeal for it there's there's an audience out there but it's pretty niche pretty niche sure yeah yeah pretty niche yeah let's just say yeah i
0: I, i've never met anyone like that of course not
2: (laughs) well i guess that's it that's my pitch that's fabulous
0: you know what that's the best pitch i've ever heard from you you really you've come into your own
1: (laughs) i i don't know that I I don't know. I mean, Luke has has pitched a lot of great pitches, but I'm going to say that I don't know if a pitch of yours has made me think as long and hard as I thought about that one, Luke.
2: Thank you both. I can tell that you're not being sarcastic. (laughs) 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 I'm being as earnest as I've ever been.
1: Being as earnest as any of the earnest films, which is to say, very earnest. And let's ship that.
0: Well, yeah, I ship it. Ship it? Okay. Okay. So Luke had to go. Luke but had to go. Jacob and I uh we just want to say that we love you very much. What are we doing next week? Jacob Next
1: week um we are doing rom-coms. Nice,
0: rom-coms. Which is a
1: a genre that we've skirted around a few times, but uh next week we're just going to go all out rom-com. Yeah. Um and before yes. we go, also uh feel free. In fact, we would really love it if you would contact us. Uh, at yeah. info at pitchhunt.org or one of our names, Jacob at pitchhunt.org, Luke at pitchhunt.org, will or at will pitchhunt. at pitchhunt.org. And yeah, and yeah, those are the ones. And will, Will, tell me about social media.
0: Uh well, all of our handles are pitch underscore hunt. You can find us on all the major media platforms. And uh yeah, I'm sorry, I we'll probably have less butt stuff in the next one, right? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that personal promise.
1: I I yeah, I I'll make that promise too.
0: <laughs>
1: you know Luke 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 says
0: that he's gonna have nothing but butt stuff in the next one so um, I'm just gonna say that for for him uh, yeah. yeah Luke's, Luke's is gonna, gonna be called Butt Boy the movie okay
1: okay I guess Will is <laughs> alright well look forward to that next uh, week and on with, Pitch Hunt
0: with that uh, stay, pitchy. stay pitchy
1: we love you Bye. So Bye, but the so